How do you keep your volunteers engaged, especially during COVID-19? We're going to interview Jonathan Mom next on the Church Solutions Podcast. Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Steve Lacey. And I'm Mike Gray. Glad to be with you again. We're a company that, uh, well, we do a lot of things, uh, streaming video and mobile apps. And we we really, we love to help churches. And we've been doing this podcast now for about 28 years. And um, all right, maybe not 28, but we've been doing it really for a long time before it was popular to do podcast. All right. So today we have a, a returning guest that we, one of our favorite people here, his name is Jonathan Mom. Jonathan hails from San Antonio, Texas. And uh, he's an author. Let's see if I can get this right. He's because he, he does a lot of things. I, I don't know. He's an author. He's an entrepreneur, which I'm not sure what that means. But well, I know what it, the word means, but we'll get to that in a moment. So he's an author. He's an entrepreneur. He's he's done pastoral work in the past. These are in no particular order. Uh, pastoral work. He's done missionary work. I think you're you're the uh, you're the child of missionaries, right, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you you're a conference speaker. You're obsessed with lots of things. Uh, some of them we won't mention, but one of them is coffee. You, you're really you're still in the coffee, maybe, right? Maybe we maybe we should mention the things that I'm obsessed with because that's almost like a skit. Like we won't mention them. Like what does that mean? <laughs> well, we can we, we can certainly mention them, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, they're, all good. they're all good. They're all positive, None of them are... good things. And Healthy. he just told us. Yeah, just right before the podcast here, before we start recording, he, he, him and his lovely wife are expecting a, their first child. Yeah. So, congratulations. When That's is this wonderful. going live? Because we haven't announced that yet officially. Oh. <laughs> I was wondering oh. about that. I was just uh, <laughs> Well, it was probably going to go live tomorrow. Uh, uh, you know, we have you eight or nine listeners. Yeah, we have eight or nine people that, that watch us. It so. should be fine. It should be fine. <laughs> It should be okay. Uh, and, and I mentioned author. And so what we're going to talk about today with Jonathan is, uh, if we have time, because he's got this, this bio that takes all day, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his latest book called The Volunteer Effect. And, uh, and, and Jonathan has lots of domains and places, lots of projects, which we'll try to get to at the end here. But Jonathan, The Volunteer Effect, now we are, you know, at the time of recording, <laughs> It's mm-hmm. September 23rd, and we're still in the midst of COVID-19. So uh, you wrote this, obviously, before the pandemic, yeah. correct? Right. Yeah, definitely. So tell, us, yeah, so tell us, what is the volunteer effect? And then I'll let Steve and Mike uh, you know, throw a lot of questions at you, see if they can stump you. Yeah, so, I'm, so uh, we, my, me and my buddy J, uh, Jason Young wrote a book a couple of years ago called The Comeback Effect. Mm-hmm. about you know helping churches become more welcoming baker books uh, our publisher loved it and they said hey we have this other book we want you to write about volunteers so both jason and i we've worked with volunteers we've been in volunteer situations we we have a lot of breadth of knowledge on that between the two of us so it was an obvious choice to write it um but then we just sat down and started thinking through what are the what are the main problems 
churches and people have when it comes to dealing with volunteers. And we kind of identified that getting volunteers, keeping volunteers, and getting them motivated are the three main pain points that everyone goes through. I've gone through them. He's gone through them. Like we didn't find any other pain points except for those three because it's just you need a ton of them working at a church. And it's hard to keep them because it's exhausting to do volunteer work at church. And then just motivation. People lose motivation. So really, we went through and addressed those three ideas and how to get more, how to keep them, how to motivate them. And I feel like we did a pretty phenomenal job. Like, I'm pretty proud of this project, actually. <laughs> Not to yeah. brag and toot my own horn. But yeah, we, so we wrote this back in October of last year. And we were on track to publish it. And then COVID hit. and We're like, oh, no no one's meeting in person, no one's even dealing with volunteers. And at first, that was a point of fear for us in publishing, because we're like, well, if no one's dealing with volunteers, why do they need our book? But what's interesting is what what started happening is churches started realizing, holy cow, we have this massive army of volunteers that we haven't been keeping in touch with. We don't have a place of service for them. And we're eventually going to get back to in person. And we gotta, we gotta somehow keep these volunteers engaged right so it's interesting the book actually really fits perfectly during this time um there's definitely some things that you can contextualize from the book specifically for dealing with volunteers during covid but uh it really is actually a a quite timely book even though we didn't intend it to be in the middle of covid obviously no one saw this well some people say they saw this coming but we sure didn't see this coming so so number one are um are there some ministries out there that are doing volunteers well mm-hmm. and what's you know what's uh, what's one of their secret sauce or that you talked about in the book yeah so i mean whenever we were writing this my buddy J- jason worked at north point ministries he led a massive team of volunteers they do a phenomenal job uh him uh working with his team a lot of the other leaders but one of the things that we found is you know as churches try to grow they try to systematize things. They try to create, you know, we don't call it this, but we, they try to create a machine where, you know, every place is interchange, every part is interchangeable. So, hey, we have this volunteer, you do this role and then you leave and you're good, right? And like every church is trying to get systems in place, which is important as you're growing. The problem is you can over systematize it where you lose the personal connection point, which is part of volunteering. Like, the reason people volunteer is because maybe they experienced life change in their life or their family member experienced life change. There was something profound that happened in their life and they want to be a part of making that happen. And so there's that, that kind of feeling element, but there's also the relational element that people want to get more involved. They want to get more plugged in. So, um, so much we focus on the feeling element, but not the relational element. We're like, man, it needs to be a personal experience. So, we talk a lot in the book about personalizing the experience of volunteering, where it's not just, you know, here's your 10 steps within two months of going through all these 10 steps, you'll get to volunteer and then you're scheduled and we don't ever talk to you again, except for through planning center. Like that's the tendency because it makes it easier on us. And I get it. Ministry is a lot about survival. And so we create these systems in place to help us survive ministry that comes every week. But personal touch is a key element. And there's a lot of different ways that ways to do that, but personal the personal element is so important. And that's what the best churches that work with volunteers, that's what they do. They're really good about that personal element. So what what is, what's an example of one of those personal elements? Does that mean talking to the guys or becoming friends or what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's say I have some volunteers and 
and they're coming and I want to, you know, I want to continue to keep them motivated and all that. So is, is it, is it just, just being a friend or what is it? What, what do you mean by personal? Is it? No, yeah, I mean, we're not sure how we're not good at being personal. So we need some help on this <laughs> for sure. No. So there's, there's so many different ways that plays out. So you're talking about the idea of keeping people motivated and, one of the things we talk about in the book a lot, and here, let me hold it up so we get that visual, a visual cue. But one of the things we talk about in the book a lot is, you know, as we're training people, the tendency is to train people. So like we have an event where we bring in maybe a guest speaker to tell you how to, how to welcome people better. Like this is how you become super welcoming. And the tendency is to make it all about your role in the church. That's our tendency in everything we do. We, we say, you know, hey, hey, you're going to be here at uh, eight o'clock. That's 30 minutes before the eight 30 service. Make sure and be here. Make sure and be ready to go. Hey, this morning, we're going to be talking about this, 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 this is what I want you to focus on. And we're so focused on the task. We're so focused on the task that we don't really think about the person's role outside of Sunday morning. So unintentionally, we communicate that your value to me is only in your two hours that you give me on Sunday morning. And unfortunately, a lot of times we just forget about people. We do talk to them during the week, but again, it's trying to schedule them for the next week. So you make a great point talking to them during the week, um, but also during our training events. What if instead of training them just for Sunday morning, we said, hey, you know, this same thing that we're teaching here that applies to Sunday morning, this is how it can apply to your life as a salesperson or as a, a bank teller. So what we do is we connect the value that we're giving them to more than just what they're giving back to us. We invest in them. Um, that's one way to do it. Of course, we talk about, you know, when it comes to finding volunteers, I think the tendency is, you know, hey, we need 20 people to be greeters this Sunday morning. And so we announce from stage, hey, we need 20 greeters this Sunday. And we all know what happens whenever we do an open call from stage, nobody responds, right? So one of the, I mean, the first chapter, or maybe the second chapter, I think that we have is the idea of inviting people personally. So what you do is you look for clusters of people after church and you see that one person who seems to be the life of the party that's the center of attention that's making everyone laugh making everyone feel welcome and then you go up to them personally and say hey i've noticed that you're phenomenal at just making people feel good around you would you be would you be i think that'd be a fantastic role a fantastic fit for this welcome team would you be want to be a part and it's funny because when we do that personal invitation and when we call out something we see in other people we find that people respond much more so that's another way, again, to be very personal. Say, hey, I don't just need you to be a cog in the wheel. I see something valuable in you. And I want to, A, give you an outlet for that. And then, B, foster that and even develop it more. So um, go ahead, Steve. As we're going into COVID, and I've experienced this myself. So, you know, and you mentioned it, you know, early on here that um, we had a bunch of volunteers and then COVID came. And then, so we're like, what do we do with these guys? Have, have churches been able to shift volunteer roles to COVID-appropriate elements? Mm -hmm. um, is that something that's going on? Or Yeah, I think the big thing, you know, a lot of, a lot of churches, what they're experiencing right now is their content portion of ministry is solid. We can do online streaming. We can do... Um, small groups through through Zoom calls. We can do all of these things, but they're missing the personal connection element again, which is such a big part of the volunteer element. So what a lot of churches that have been doing this well have been doing is pivoting their volunteers to, instead of fulfilling a task, 
we want you to be a part of a personal element of that that connection moment. So, I mean, we can just throw out some ideas of what churches can do to utilize their volunteers better. Is you know the obvious choice is have them as chat hosts in in the streaming. Say, hey, we want four people to just engage. You know, ask questions, point out something that you liked, personalize the message in the chat. Get four people through personally to do that. You can have people available as prayer teams. Say, hey, if you direct message the church on social media. Um, we have four people standing by. One person is going to talk to you directly and pray with you in that moment. We're not just going to wait, fill out a card, and then hopefully get to it during staff meeting. We're going to pray with you right then. I mean, you have enough volunteers where you can man social media all week long. Again, that's a high level of trust you need, but there's that part. You can do what some churches are doing is they're hosting small watch parties at houses. So, hey, you know, you get your group of 10 people that's going to be every week. And if you feel comfortable, invite them over to your house, watch the service online together, have a meal together, talk afterwards. So kind of doing a small group approach to the Sunday morning service. Uh, you have churches that are hosting events where, hey, come pick up communion elements this Sunday at church or oh, come pick up the Bible study book this Sunday at church. So you have just like you would have on a Sunday morning, you have a parking lot team holding signs saying, we love you. We miss you. Waving at people, just creating this general atmosphere of excitement. That's another idea. Um, having people drop off things. So again, instead of having them come to your church, have someone, you know, one of the coolest things that happened during COVID a few times was when a friend would come by and drop off cookies at my front porch. Uh, that felt so personal because I knew I couldn't see them. I knew we were supposed to maintain distance, but you know, they could wave at me from their car and it just coming to my house, house felt so personal. And I think that's a pretty powerful thing a church can do. So um, yeah, I think there's some other ideas, but those are the ones that are off the top of my head. It was a loaded question for me because I was I was uh, at the church facility doing video switching and then they, they didn't let anybody into the church and, except for staff. And I became a one of the chat hosts. And, and you know what our church did is we had a chat host before and then we've we have like a chat army now where yeah. like you're going to be lead and you're going to you're going to be the ones doing the notes. You're going to do the color commentary and you're going to you're going to be the, the warm hug when people show you know, was this. Yeah, we really we, we kind of switched some of our roles around and, and kind of really elevated the ones that um, that we could do right now during COVID. Yeah, I love the I love the idea of color commentary because that's something that is missing in ch in a lot of church chats is the the fun element, the like very personal element, which is something you can get before service and after service, but you can't get in the chat as much. So, you know, even not making jokes about the message, but kind of like when the pastor asks a silly question, be like, oh my gosh, I relate to that. So you make it feel very personal. You make it feel less uh, stodgy or less, um, you know, less Purelled. <laughs> so let me clarify. So you're saying no jokes. So I couldn't make jokes about that. Okay. All right. No, you can make jokes. That really relies on your pastor. So <laughs> my pastor, he loves my jokes and he loves, like, I, I, Definitely have a high element of respect for him, but he also trusts me a lot. So we can, I can get right. away with that in our chat a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I was being funny. Uh, <laughs> Michael, uh, Gray, and well, Steve, and all of us here have, I mean, if you take all our experience when it comes to church stuff and volunteer stuff, we, we probably adds up to back to the time of the dinosaurs. But uh, uh, I can speak for myself that. I'm very, I, I do like systems. And so when you said at the beginning of the podcast here, you know, sometimes we tend to over systematic things and, and I can relate to that very well. 
at the same time, life is all about relationships. Uh, Christianity is all about relationships. And so if I'm a small church of about 100, 150 people, uh, and I don't have a lot of staff, but I have a lot of volunteers, uh, I mean, what would you suggest? I mean, should and again, getting back to the systematic stuff, I mean, should I just schedule? If I was the senior pastor or executive pastor, should I like, okay, I've got to schedule relationship time <laughs> with different people. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because you can get so yeah. busy and the systems are easy. I mean, once you put them together, you're like, okay, here it goes, you know, but, but the, the, the relationship element is so important. Uh, it's such a struggle, uh, at yeah. least for a lot of guys like me. Uh, I mean, it, it can be really hard. Yeah. I think one of the big distinctions that's important to make in ministry is and this, there's a lot of movement in this in like the whole leadership circles, but the idea that and you, they say, you know, lead more than you do, but I would say connect more than you do. So what that means is, you know, maybe you are the single best person at uh, programming the slides for Sunday morning, man, you're just going to do a hundred percent. Like you're going to kill it. But there's a guy that can maybe do 60% what you could do. I would invest in helping that 60% person get to maybe 80% and again, maintain that relationship, take that off your plate. And what that does is it allows you not only to connect with that one person, but to connect with two or three or four more people. So, you know, there are churches that grow strictly to a pretty decent size, 200, 300 people, just because of the way that they get rid of responsibilities and bring people in to help. And that's not, I'm not talking, that's like a church growth strategy. You know, you don't do it just to grow, but it's what inevitably happens as you give out the responsibility more. And that takes, it takes, you know, I think in Andy Stanley's next generation leader, he says, you know, sometimes you have to let the ball drop so someone can pick it up. And it's terrifying for doers and for people who are very perfection oriented where you're like, I can't drop the ball for this Sunday, but you have to remember there are 52 Sundays, right? 52 Sundays a year. You can drop the ball for one Sunday if it means that the next 52 are going to be even better. So sometimes you sacrifice in the short term to get long-term benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, good stuff. Very good stuff. I, I know can Bill's, see that. Bill's church and several churches have committed to not meeting the rest of this year. So what used to be a face-to-face and and hopefully for those being successful, very relational contact with volunteers. What do we do now that we may be digital for the rest of the year? How do how, how do I lead my team in a highly relational way when yeah. it's one hundred percent digital? Yeah. So, you know, some simple ways to do that would be some of the same things that I was suggesting for. Um, equipping volunteers to to actually have a role but you know drop off care packages at their house you know if you want i have a book called uh the volunteer survival guide coming up in october it's a companion book to this one but really to help volunteers survive ministry right so you yeah. could grab one of those books highlight some things that you think they do really well uh maybe get their favorite candy get a few other things and drop it off at their front porch again, to create that connection element. You can host Zoom calls. And what I wouldn't do is, if you're doing a Zoom call with all your volunteers, I wouldn't just do another training event. I wouldn't do another service because churches tend to slap like, oh, there's a problem, better have another service to address it. And like, we got to get outside of that service element. So maybe you could bring in a comedian who 
is out of work right now and say, Hey, would you just, would you just for 30 minutes, just talk to our volunteers and just have fun with them. Uh, yeah. So you can do things that are not your typical approach. So, you know, again, zoom calls, people are frustrated with them. Don't make people respond. Like just let people enjoy and sit back and have fun with their family. Uh, you can do scavenger hunts. Say, you know, you have a list of things like find someone who skydived, find someone who speaks another language and say, Hey, connect with your volunteer team and whoever can fill this out first gets a prize. And, you let them figure out how to do that. You can, they can go on Facebook, on Instagram, however they want to connect with their fellow volunteers. But creating systems um, in place that can help volunteers connect to each other. I know some churches are doing pre-service huddles, but they're doing di digitally. Even though no one's like on premise, they'll say, hey, you know, our pastor is going to talk to you 15 minutes before the service and give you a little preview of what they're talking about and just encourage you and and just acknowledge that you've, you know, you've given so much to the church for so long and we can't wait to get you back in person, but man, we just, we miss you. Uh, simple things like that are just powerful ways to keep people engaged. So what are some techniques for right fitting volunteers for slots? Um, somebody who said, yeah, I'd love to, you know, help out, but I'm, you know, I don't know where I would fit in. Yeah. I think, and we talk about this in the book. I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, I talked about this a little earlier, the idea that you look for characteristics in people that fit the characteristics of the group. So, for instance, if you're maybe in the creative team, what you do is you look for someone who just dresses differently. Like, hey, that's an indication this person might think differently. They might not be a musician. They might not be um, a graphic designer, but they think differently. And you can find ways that they can get involved in the creative team. Look for someone who dresses professionally and say, wow, this person is very much into dignity and respect. So maybe they would be a great fit for someone working with um, older, older populations or uh, working in an environment that requires um, solemnity or something like that. You think about people who are great at one-on-one -on -one connection. You know, like, man, this person, whenever you watch them talk to someone, they're locked in. They're not looking to see who else is around. They're locked in. They're engaged. They're listening. They're asking good questions. That'd be someone who's great for a prayer team. That's someone who's great for, you know, counseling my people. You might want to train them a lot. But what you do is, again, you look for those, those values and those attitudes that you're trying to accomplish. And let me back up a little bit. One of the best things that you can do for recruiting volunteers is recruiting people to a mission instead of a role. So, for instance... I don't need people to park cars in the parking lot. Like as a driver, I can park myself. Like I park myself every day of my life. I, I don't go to the grocery store and have someone telling me where to park, right? That's not really the purpose of a parking lot team. Yeah, there's some safety elements involved, but really what, what the parking lot team does is they're the first face welcoming you to the church. They're making you feel welcome. They're saying, it's okay that you're here. We're happy that you're here. They're saying, we're, we're, we're watching over you. We're gonna make sure that your car is not stolen. Um, they're creating a sense of welcome and a sense of safety. Because again, church, people tend to make the decision whether or not they're going to return to the church in the first few minutes of attending, right? Before the professional ministers have gotten up, the, the worship team, the pastor, they've already decided whether or not they're going to come back. And that's largely because of people like the parking lot team, the greeters, the people that are just walking around the church. So invite people to a mission instead of a role. And then what you do is you look for people who embody that mission man they just make people feel welcome so you'd be great at the parking lot team or man they just make people think differently so you'd be great in a creative team so how do you uh hit up or the uh, burnout's got to be uh, just a major issue right 
So yeah. how, how can pastors and staff deal with volunteer burnout? A lot of times, there, there's a lot of different reasons why burnout happens. Um, in some instances, it's because we are asking too much and we manipulate. Um, I would hope that's not the majority of people, but that does happen. And I think a lot of people that have been in ministry a long time have been manipulated and they feel that way and they they're sensitive to that right so the beautiful thing is if you've been manipulated hopefully you're going to keep from doing that to other people but one of the best things you can do is just teach people hey it's okay to say no to me um and and the way that works out the best is you know when someone doesn't show up on sunday morning because they had a family emergency the night before the way that i model the fact that it's okay to say no is everyone else on my team is watching how i respond to that guy who didn't show up Am I grumbling that they didn't show up? Or am I saying, man, we just got to pray for so-and-so because they couldn't show up today. We love them. We just want to pray that things are going okay in their life. The fact that I honored the fact that they said no shows the rest of the team that it's okay to say no. So that will help with burnout too. In some instances, you might just need to watch people and just say, hey, you know, help them say no to other people. You know, some of your best volunteers are going to be the ones that everyone wants access to, right? Like, because they're good, everyone wants them on their team. And so consequently, they'll, be a part of three or four or five teams, sometimes you just say, hey, are you doing okay? Like, are you okay being on three or four teams? Are you feeling tired? Again, the personal relationship element is just ask how they're doing. Say, hey, you know, is there one team? Can I talk to a staff member and just say, hey, I think he's a little bit overworked. Just be advocates for people. And I think you can really shield people from being um, Mm -hmm. overwhelmed and burnt out. Yeah. That's really good. Look, we're out of time. Uh, again, is this went really fast. And uh, Jonathan, I think I figured out why you write so many books and have so many projects. You, you drink a lot of coffee. I do drink a lot of coffee. And uh, <laughs> not just any coffee. I mean, you brew your own coffee, right? You do nitro brew or atomic brew or some kind of crazy thing like that. I have a little that? like eight hour, 12, uh, eight hour uh, slow drip brewer that I use and it's, it's phenomenal. Okay. Well, we'll have to do a <laughs> podcast on that. So the book is called the volunteer effect Yeah, and you can find it on Amazon, right? Yeah. Audiobook, ebook, print book. Yeah. It's, it's through Baker. So it's everywhere. Books are sold. That's do you it. read your own audio? Do you, do you do the audio yourself or did somebody else? No. Do Someone else did it, and actually, I found out he was one of the readers for Gone Girl, the book Gone Girl, which I don't know how those. <laughs> <are stopped. laughs> wow, that's interesting, huh? Wow. Uh, okay, so the volunteer effect. Now, now, uh, Jonathan, you can reach him at at jonathanmom.com, right? So it's it's Jonathan, the name Jonathan J O N A T H A N M A L M dot com but you also have other domains you have uh what do you got you got the good the good old church state church stage designs ideas dot com yeah okay but if you go to jonathanmom.com you've got all those other ones you got you'll see uh, all my projects yeah, all my books, social my social etc yeah. social dot tv new supply the new supply thing it's n-u n-u s S-U-P-P-L-Y.com. That one intrigues me a little bit because you got some really nice art and graphics on that, don't you? Yeah. So my business partner, Joe Cavazos on Sunday Social yeah. and New Supply, he, uh, it's fun to kind of empower him to do what he's really good at. Yeah. So you got a lot of stuff going on. We do appreciate your time this morning because I, I know you've, you've got a lot going on and to talk to our little podcast here is, is means a lot to us. 
And we appreciate the input you've given us on that. So if you have any questions for, for Jonathan Mom, uh, you can you know reach him at jonathanmom.com. He's on Twitter as well. He's all over the place. Uh, or you can just reach us, support at streamingchurch.tv. That's that's one of our domains, streamingchurch.tv. And we'll be happy to, to forward the information on to Jonathan. So uh, we're out of time. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Jonathan, thank you so much again for your time today. Yeah, happy to be here. All right, great. Well, well, uh, and uh, we appreciate you so much. And so, uh, I'm going to get us out of here, guys. For Michael Gray and Steve Lacey, I'm Phil Thompson. Phil Thompson. Uh, thank you for spending a little bit of time listening to us today and watching us on the Church Solutions podcast. Please take care of yourselves. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>